Sometimes, you know, folks, they like to look you all over and wonder what you're going to do. And strange things about it, I usually don't know myself. Praise God. But uh, we're just for whatever God wants. And I know if God has his way, it'll happen. Because uh, that's always been the way God operates, you know. He just said, let there be light, and there was. Amen. On that resurrection morning, there wasn't happen. nobody had to tell him to get up. He just got up. <laughs> Praise God. He said he's going to do it. Yeah. He said, you can crucify me, put me in the ground. Three days, I'm coming out of there. Oh, amen. amen. They stood around and watched to see if he's going to, and sure enough, he did. Yeah. Amen. They'd even, they would even make comments, you know, about, hey, this, uh, this, uh, Oh, blasphemer. He said if we if we destroy his temple or his body that he would he would get up. So we couldn't keep him in the grave. But said just to make sure that we do, let's let's put a big old stone right over the mouth of the tomb and seal it. Concrete limb. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then on top of that we'll just sit around with our swords and spears and we'll find out if he comes out or not. Hallelujah. An early one morning. Oh, yeah. Just about the crack of daylight. Hallelujah. Third morning. Amen. The Bible says the angel of the Lord descended. He just took his finger and unsealed the tomb and rolled the stone down to the other end. Those men looked at him, and the Bible said that he just got up and sat down on the rock. Rolled away the stone that was over the door, and then got up and sat down on it. Just to say, hey, like that. The Bible said they fell like dead men. And Jesus got up and walked out. Then you know what that bunch of liars did? They went to town. <laughs> they said, I'll tell you what. He, he, he really did it. He got up. I mean, that stone just come rolling off down there. And then he come walking out of there. So we just felt like dead folks. We, we, we couldn't even stand his presence. They said, I'll tell you what. Here's some big money. Keep your mouth shut, will you? Don't let nobody know what happened. But you just say, while we slept, his disciples came and got him up. That still would have made no difference. Amen. Because the Bible said he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs for 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. I'm glad that the world found out that Jesus Christ does exist and is still alive today. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Brother McHearn was saying, uh, talking about revival. Uh, I said at the very beginning, when they started talking about end time revival, I said, y'all need to, you know, there's an old saying in the world, just put your money where your mouth is. Amen. And, uh, 
And there was another one we used to use. You don't talk as cheap, but it takes money to buy whiskey. And uh, say, well, you ought not say that from the pulpit. Well, I'm just telling you what we used to do, you know. Yeah. And that's just kind of the way I just always felt about this end time revival business. Why talk about it? Just go ahead and do it. Praise God. I've always believed, still believe, a church that wants a revival can have a revival. It's not going to. It's not going to happen. Five years from now, I watched this kind of a proposition before. In five years, we're going to put on this staker program, and we're going to do this. We're going to lengthen our courts. We're going to do have uh, tent makers, and we're going to employ people from other fellow churches. You know, and get them out of the big church and put them in a little church. Oh, we're going to have a revival. Five years from now, simultaneous revival break out across the country. It was like one of these firecrackers. When you light the fuse, it don't pop. The only way to even get a fist out of it is to break it open and light a match to the powder and it go, it's all over. Hallelujah. But what I'm talking about is not a fizzle. Amen. Amen. It's not a fizzler. It has a potential and a power behind it to blow your hand off. Amen. Well, I'm just saying that we don't have to wait so somebody somewhere else says, okay, it's time to have a revival. <clears throat> if you want a revival as a church, have it. How you do it? You just do it. If I understand this book right, the Bible said the fields are ready to harvest. Don't say four months. Don't say next summer. Don't say next winter. Don't say in the distant future. But he said, lift up your eyes now. For the harvest is ripe, it's plenteous. They said, well, we've got a shortage of his labors. Amen. And so a lot of times, folk, they want to sit on the sideline and see it happen, but they don't want to do anything to make it happen. Amen. Jesus went out one day into the marketplace it was so long about mid-morning, and he said, uh, why don't you go in the fields to work? They said, nobody's hired us. He said, I'll hire you. Go on. Amen. He went back about noon, and of the wheel boys sitting around, twiddling their thumbs. And, How come you haven't gone to work? Nobody hired us. He said, you're hired. Go. Amen. Mid-afternoon, he goes back. Here's another gang sitting around. Why don't you go to work? Nobody's hired us. Go. Give you a penny a day. Y'all know the story, don't you? Amen. You know what? He said, there's a harvest out there to get in. We're fixing to have a storm. <laughs> Amen. The storm's coming. We got to get it harvested. Amen. And uh, don't sit here idle all the day. Just get up and get on it. Well, my wife was telling you that we celebrated, getting ready to celebrate 50 years uh, at a wedding anniversary. We've already had our 50 years in the work of the Lord, but uh, we are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, just as zealous for the Lord today as I ever was when it comes to seeing souls saved. And uh, I, I'm a little scared as to the future uh, for some men and some preachers and some people 
because we are living in a compromise age today. And I hear preachers say, and this kind of turns me off, when they say, you don't understand, it's different today. Are you different than I am? Do you eat? Do you sleep? Do you get hungry and thirsty? Well, I do too. So what's the difference in us? Somebody said, well, I was raised in front of the bloop tube. And I've got a mental deficiency. <laughs> well, I'm sure if anyone's going to give you one, that would. A lot of people use them for babysitters nowadays. I, I, I really hate to see what the kids are going to act like. Because you know? I walk into these uh, supermarkets sometimes with all this uh, game deal, what do you call it? Yeah. Uh, and, and see that uh, all those motions and spots and stars and yeah, I mean just walking by whether somebody's doing it or not they, they, they've got it going so somebody will be tempted to do it you know and uh, it, it just uh, it affects me just take a look at it you know and I, I'm sure tonight that uh, the generation in which we're living I think I believe I understand what people are saying that they are of a different culture that they are the, the way they have been reared uh, they did not have the discipline uh, that us older folks had. Uh, so when they come into the church, uh, you use kid gloves instead of boxing gloves, you know. Uh, when I came in, there was no sugarcoating for the Word of God at all. Yeah. Uh, it said, bless God, thou shalt, and thou shalt not, and that's all you did, you know. Uh, but today they tell me it doesn't work that way, but you know what? Uh, we have revivals all the time, and I see people get saved all the time. Man comes in with long hair, uh, comes to the altar, repents. I've had a pastor say, "Would you baptize him with that long hair?" I said, "I'd ask you if he go tomorrow and get it cut." And I'd baptize him if he says he will. So the pastor said, "Will you get a haircut tomorrow if I baptize you tonight?" Yes, sir. Uh, I don't people. I don't believe people resent that. Amen. Man comes in with a beard and a mustache. Before I baptize, I say, hey, will you get you a razor and shave that mess off? And if he said no, I said, well, I won't baptize you. You know why? He's not dead. All right. When a man repents, he dies. That is repentance, death. Die to sin. Somebody said, well, that may be a one man's opinion, and after all, I've got my own ideas. That doesn't even enter into it. When the Apostle Paul was teaching on long hair on men, uh, men and short hair on women, when he summed the whole thing up, he said, if any man seemed to be contentious, we have no such customs. That's it. It's a closed book. We will not tolerate long hair on men and short hair on women. That's all there was to it. He didn't. He spent quite a lot of time. He explained it all. Says it's a shame for a man to have long hair, and a disgrace for a woman to have short hair. And it's given to her for a covering, and all this. He went into minute detail as to why. And then when he summarized the whole thing, he said, "So if anybody is contentious about long hair on men or short hair on women or whatever, he said we have no such customs. 
and we will not tolerate in the church of, of God. Now, to me, the Word of God is the Word of God, and I wouldn't take three months to explain it to somebody because I was afraid I was going to hurt their feelings. Because before that three months was up, I'm sure their feelings would be hurt if it should be hurt. Amen. I think sometimes preachers have built this image up in front of themselves and made themselves believe that this generation can't take preaching. But I believe they can take preaching. I would want to give everybody here tonight the benefit of that, that you can take preaching. If you can't take preaching, you'll never be saved. Because the Bible said it pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, we can save them that believe. Amen. After you have believed, you need preaching. Amen. And you need preaching before you believe. But when you say, I'm a believer, then you better hear the word of God. And I believe that people that are hungry, that really want to be saved, they'll just line up to the word of God. Amen. Amen. Preacher opened the book, start reading in there, and say, thus saith the Lord, you know. Well, if God said it, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to say, well, I just don't see it that way? I've had people tell me that. Well, I just don't see it that way. You know what I said? I don't care how you see it. That's what the book says. Well, that's too straight. Well, I'm sorry, I just got one book to go by. Somebody says, that's being dogmatic. Just got one God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So, there's no, we have no choice. Amen. We have no choice. You've got, God only knows how many churches in and around Bloomington, Indiana. I happen to know that. You say, well, I've got a choice. It eh, just all depends on how you look at it. All right. Come on, brother. Amen. Praise God. If I was to make a choice, I'll tell you for sure, I would not be looking for the most liberal thing in town. And I know you got some of them. Hey Amen. Women wear pants, they cut their hair and all that mess. Hey, people like that can't be saved. So what's going to happen to the preacher? He's going to take him right where the Bible says he's going he's to take him to the ditch. If he is a blind leader, the Bible said if the blind lead, the blind they will both go into the ditch together. Hey, you must thank God for a preacher who's got both eyes open. That's not afraid to tell you, hey, you can't do that. All right. Oh. They know we're not going to have that around here. Oh. Well, I'll just pack my little grip and go across town. I know where I can go, where I can do what I want to do. Hello. Go to it. If you want to be saved, stay in the church. Yeah. If you want to be a church member, go join the anybody. You know, backsliders out of our church that make top members in some churches. But they can't even be a member of our church. Amen. Well, why don't you get on with the preaching? Well, I just warm it up. <laughs> Praise God. I, uh, I I want to read you a passage of scripture. I I felt strongly uh, some time back about this. Uh, particular scripture and I just uh, I've been in church for the last four days and I, I kept 
feeling after God trying to do about this service tonight. Uh, and uh, sometime when you got preachers cramming stuff into your ears uh, for hours at a time, you uh, you could get bogged down. But uh, uh, I'm not preaching what somebody else preached. I'm going to preach to you while I feel like God will be preached tonight. <coughs> but this particular scripture that I'm going to read to you, uh, I feel like is... Uh, is good for this particular time. Uh, we are definitely living, I believe, in the time of the falling away. Uh, when God spoke about the falling away coming, he was not talking to the denominational church world. God sees his church. That's all God ever does see. When this book was written to the church. Amen. And uh, God's not recognizing everything that says we're a church. Uh, when he... When Israel came up out of Egypt, he just simply said, don't go by the way of the Moabites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. So, hey, just stay away from them. Just all you need is a highway up the King's Highway. That's all you need. You don't need their, their cattle and their asses and their oxen and their food and their waterways. You don't need that. I'll take care of you. You just go on up the King's Highway. Don't turn to the right hand and to the left. Don't let your daughters marry their boys, and don't let your boys marry their girls. I mean, God just laid down some guidelines for them to go by because he knew there's going to be some cute little Moabites along the way. Amen. And so God said, hey, you just don't do it. I don't care how sweet they look and how nice they are and how good they can wink and all that kind of stuff. That's beside the point. You just don't do it. He said, did they do it? Sure they did it. Human nature is to do what you can't do. Amen. Did you ever see a wet paint sign on a door and you really wondered if it was wet? <laughs> sure enough, it was wet. They tried to tell you, but your curiosity got the best of you, know. Maybe be driving down the road, said, strictly enforced, no tolerance. I just wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they meant what they said. No tolerance. Chapter 11 of the book of St. Mark. <clears throat> I want to read two scriptures. Chapter 11, St. Luke. All the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. I still hear pages turning, but I guess you haven't found it yet. Got a Thompson Chain reference Bible that's on page 76. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, verse number 21. When a strong man arm keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh 
from him all of his armor wherein he trusted and the battle of his spoil. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. I'd like to first of all say tonight that I believe we are strong men. And when I say strong men, I, I'm including the ladies also. Uh, when a strong man armed, keep his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoil or his good. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about uh, being disarmed. Uh, people usually, if they live in a strong house, feel secure. They've got uh, double locks on the doors. Uh, deadbolt locks, maybe slide bolt locks. They may have the outside of the house uh, bugged with uh, lights, a motion deal that picks up uh, anything that drives in the driveway or moves. Lights come on, a siren goes off. Uh, he may have bars on the windows, iron doors on his doors extra protection. He may even have a burglar alarm that is wired to the police station. But when that alarm goes off, the police immediately are alerted. There's something about that that's what you call security. Security. The Bible said when a strong man armed, keeping his palace. He has a gun. He has equipment whereby to defend himself and he feels secure and so consequently uh, he feels no alarm but the Bible says when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him the first thing is the strong man has got to be overcome he has got to be disarmed. He may have to be tied up, legs and hands, gagged. Uh, he is secured by the stronger. And so consequently, the stronger that he walks in, he takes all of his armor, he gets his gun, his ammunition, everything he trusted in. Cuts the cords with a telephone, he does anything he feels like he's big enough to do, does it. Then he goes through the house and takes anything he wants because he's already bound the strong man and he strips him. And he leaves him in a position to where he can't move and he takes his goods and falls it and takes off. All of his armor, as far as he trusted in, is gone. And I, I was sitting in a, a large meeting not very long ago, and I heard some preachers say, times have changed. We must change with the times. Not doctrinally, they said, 
but standard-wise. We cannot force our standards upon people out in the world or the church world. We have got to learn how, in this closing hour of time, to deal with people without uh, trying to push something over on them. One very outstanding man in the ranks and his wife had a personal broadcast every morning, and they would come on the air asking questions, one to the other, and answering them. Where will we read today? Well, we're going to read about the division that they had in the early church. Oh, did the early church have a division? I'm merely quoting. Oh, yes, they had a division because some believed one thing. One said, I'm a Paul. One said, I'm a Paulus. Somebody said, I'm a this, I'm a that. But, uh, uh, you know, said, uh, uh, it just goes to show you that you cannot put your own interpretations off on somebody else and make people, uh, you know, conform to your thinking uh, without bringing division and so on and so forth. And this was the trend of their message that was going out over the way of their uh, airways uh, to God only knows how many thousands of people. These were supposedly uh, grounded, rooted uh, Pentecostals who had leadership and really knew what they were talking about. When I put these things together, it made me realize what was happening. Hundreds of young preachers listening to this type of a thing coming from the gray head of a man who had been down the road for many, many years and was very affluent in his ministry and so on. And now then they're listening to a man say, we cannot push our convictions off on somebody else. Uh, we cannot do this and we cannot do that. We have got to strike a a medium somewhere that will cause people to, you know, cling to us, follow after us, and we can eventually lead them in. Then I heard this other that said we have got to change with the times as far as our uh, associations. We've got to get in there and mix with them. We've got to bring them to the knowledge of truth. <coughs> I found out a long time ago that the only way to bring people to the knowledge of truth is preach truth. You will never win people to God by compromise. But I understood what was being done, and I began to read this Bible, and I just happened, I believe by the Holy Ghost, to come across this scripture again, when a strong man is armed, keeping his body his goods or peace, but when a stronger than he shall come in. Then he overcomes him and takes away all of his armor. The Apostle Paul said, put on the whole armor. Having your breastplate of righteousness on, your loins girded about with truth, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, amen, and above all, he said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is your defense. This is what you trust in. When you disarm that, what have you got left? You've got what you call a charismatic movement. You've got you've got an ecumenical movement. Amen. That believes in anything and everybody. Sin is no longer sin, and after all, God's not going to be so hard on that. Amen. <coughs> so consequently, this is. I'm not saying this is where the whole movement is going. I'm merely telling you. 
this is the thinking of some a lot of people. How can we win the world? That's what they're saying. But while, while I see people trying to win the world, they're losing their churches. They've compromised with sin. The old song said they let out the bars, they let out the bars. The sheep went out and all the goats came in. <laughs> and we are. The Bible said in the last days, perilous time or dangerous time would come. I believe we're living in that kind of a day. Oh, we still got some men that are crying out. But on the contrary, you have some influential men who are going the other direction. And these men are, they are pulling minds of young preachers. This is the way you do it. You don't do it that way anymore. I recently told somebody, I said, how do you think all these churches got here? Men with gray hairs on their head now. And some even retired and quit the ministry and dead and in their graves. They sweat blood, so to speak. Persecutions. Whatever it took to bring in a church into existence. Amen. And a young man comes along and takes it over. He was not there. And we, are, we, we, have, a, we have some men who are masterminders. Wanting to build super churches. And they're trying to tell us how to do it. Amen. And it's contrary to the way it's been done. And it's a little hard for some of those old gray heads, amen, to conceive and compromise, as far as I'm concerned, to reach this particular medium whereby to reach the world. The devil would like to disarm us. If the devil can get your armor away from you, Acts 2.38 is a necessity. You don't blindfold people and lead them to the baptistry and keep them from understanding how they're going to be baptized. You teach them. You are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. All the sins you were born with and committed, when you're baptized in his name, if you fully repent, they're gone. God said, as far as the east is from the west, even so shall he remove your transgressions from you. Not to remember them against you. People need to know why they're baptized in Jesus' name. Otherwise, you can baptize them in any way, shape, or form, and it wouldn't make any difference to them. But when they fully understand, hey, I'm being baptized in the only name under heaven, given among men where I must be saved, it's for the remission of my sins. And God alone forgives us sins and can take away sins. Well, now, it's all right. You know, tongues, it, we don't want to stress tongues too much because after all, but you know what? There are a world out there today, almost everybody's wanting to talk in tongues. fact is, they even stand in front of the mirror and practice. da 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 Charismatic movement? Hey, they don't mind telling you, oh, we're going to teach you to talk in tongues. Say what I say. Amen. See my tie? <laughs> T-I-E tie. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, come on, brother. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. 
We baptized a young man in Houston, Texas one night. He asked the pastor, he said, was this right? He said, I went to a church last night. And they, they told me, uh, he said, I was baptized in the church. And he told how he was baptized. He said, is that right? The pastor said, no, that's not right. He said, well, after I was baptized, then they said, we're going to go back in his back room. We're going to teach him to speak in tongues. He said, was that right? The pastor said, no, that's not right. We re-baptized him in Jesus' name. And that night, he just still dripping wet from the night before, so to speak. Hey, if it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's not right, it's wrong. Amen. And so here we've got, we, we've got a, we've got a, 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 the word of God. Jesus is saying, this is the way it happens. A man who is strong and he's armed and he's keeping his house and his goods are safe. They said, when somebody's stronger than he is, gets a hold of him. Disarms him. Takes away his armor. Spoils his goods. What can he do? And so this is what I'm talking about tonight. The devil in some way, some means or other, would like to strip you of your convictions. Your convictions, according to the Word of God, is the best defense you've got. The gospel, according to the Word of God, is the best defense you've got. Amen. Well, I know the Bible says that, but what do you think about this? They tried to break you down. I've been a stickler all of my life for one husband and one wife, according to the Word of God. I don't need an interpretation that says that all you can have is one. I like donuts, but God knows I don't like to stop on one. I can devour half a dozen good hot donuts anytime, but I know better than to do it all the time. So I don't do it. But when I think about it, I get hungry for them. Right now, my saliva glands are starting to work on me. <laughs> Praise God. But you know, I just, now, when I say this, I don't know you, you don't know me, uh, I don't know what your status is, but if you've got one wife, keep her. If you've got one husband, keep him. If you've got more than that, I'm not going to talk about it because that's not my message. But I will say, if you've got more than one living, you got one too many. Okay, enough for that. So I'm learning you quick, Brother Bassett. Yeah, you're just learning, I believe, what the book says. All right. Okay? <laughs> Disarm me. Take my word. Take, take the word out of my heart. That's why David said, Thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart. But I might not sin against you. The word of God in your heart will keep you from sinning against God. Let me, let me drop this in right here. I hear people testify all the time about having struggles. And I heard some here tonight talking about it. And it's not a disgrace to have a trial or a test because God said you're going to have them. But you don't have to fall and stumble around because you do. I'll tell you the reason why. You make up your mind. God, I'm going to live for you and it don't matter what comes. Once you make the commitment... But you're going to live for God with all your heart and have no intentions of ever turning back. You'll, uh, you'll take your trials and your tests with a stride. But if you're always worried about backsliding, you probably will. Amen. But if you will take your trials and tests, then there's nothing happens to you except God permits you. 
Amen. And if all you have to do, if a trial comes your way, say, God, I want to thank you for this trial because you said, when I'm tried, I'm going to come forth as gold. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming forth as gold tried in the fire. Yeah. And God said he's going to have a tried people. After all, the Bible said, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a rock of a, a stone. Amen. A tried stone, a rock of offense. A precious cornerstone. A tried stone. Who was the tried stone? Jesus Christ was the tried stone. Now, if he, as our Lord and Master, had to have trials, what do you think we're going to do? I used to work for Alice in the Beast of General Motors when I was in Annapolis. Before we went on the field the first time, and I worked in the I worked in the bearing department. We had Rolls Royce silver coated bearings and all this kind of stuff. But we had we had a what you call a heat treat. And if any of you fellows work in a factory where they have heat treats, you know it's a, it's a certain uh, kind of an oily substance that they put in there, and it's just well, it's I don't know how many degrees they heat it to, but I mean it's just boiling it's hot. You could take these finished. Uh, not finished, but Rolls-Royce bearings silver-coated before they've gone to the lathe, even, to take off the first coat. Put them in the heat treat, and blisters would come up on them. If they didn't get a good seal, a good dew on the silver plating, then they'd blister. Amen. And there was only one thing to do, scrap them. The reason they blistered was because they couldn't take the heat. And that's what happens to a lot of people, you know. The old saying is, if you can't stand the, if you, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. But I want to encourage you tonight by saying that if you, if you have the tendency to, to, uh, I don't know whether I'm going to make it or not. Hey, get that out of your mind. Because Jesus Christ said, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. You don't have to fall. You don't even have to fail. <laughs> the Bible said God can't fail. Lord, you promised to be with me all the time. Every day. Hereafter. On my way. If God can't fail, then he can keep us from failing. And so the biggest problem is with us human folks. We just maybe don't come right on down and say, okay, what don't matter, whatever it takes, I'm I'm going through. You say, well, I don't know if I can make that kind of a commitment or not. Well, I tell a little story sometimes. Maybe you've heard it. If a pig and a chicken could talk, and they do get along in you know the same area, and so this old pig and the chicken was having a little conversation one day, and so the chicken says to the hog, uh, "Hey, let's go in the business." Well, he said, what do you propose? Well, she said, let's go in the restaurant business. Well, he said, the pig says, how, how can we do that? Well, she said, I would furnish the eggs and you furnish the ham. He said, wait a minute. All you want to do is give an offering. You want me to make a total commitment. Huh? Y'all get the point? Yeah. When you make your total commitment to mighty God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. It'll be a lot easier for you to walk with God. 
regardless of the mountaintop or the valley, it don't matter where you are, you just recognize, well, this is the one, another one of those things, you know. <coughs> I went to Joplin, Missouri in 1947 to build a church. There wasn't nobody asked me to go there. But I felt like God told me to go. And they tried for 50 years to have a church in Joplin, Missouri. Amen. Some of the fellows out of St. Louis, they even tried to harm to go there and start a church. Nobody go. But when I went, they didn't offer me anything. And I didn't ask for anything but a tent. I asked Brother Brandon, who was in St. Louis at that time, I said, has anybody got a tent I can use? He said, we've got, he said, the district owns an old tent. Probably good for about one season. If you want it, you can have it. And I said, put her on camel and send her on down. <laughs> they loaded that thing on Mr. Camel and he come a-hopping. Stretched that thing up 30 by 60. Started having church. We had church. Had a baptistry right under the... Right under the hey, I went there for business. I believe that remission of sins in Jesus' name was the only way man could be saved. But I wasn't going to wait till Easter Sunday or some other Sunday and gather them all up and take them to the river and baptize them. I wanted to do it. When the iron was hot, I wanted to hit it. After 12 weeks of tent revival and regular church, we come out, we had a nucleus of people. Remodeled an old house. Knocked some pieces out of it and went in there for a while when the weather got cold. To make the story short, we built a church. Amen. Give them 10 years, the best part of my life, and moved out. That's where I baptized your pastor's wife. I moved out of there and went to Richmond, Indiana after 10 years. And I was 16 years in Richmond. Built some more church. <laughs> Amen. God bless us with good revivals. And we just had a time. Uh, I felt led to move on and turn that church over to my son. Seventeen years later, I'm still in the evangelistic field. Getting a little tired. Amen. But uh, I feel like I give the best part of my life to God. Amen. I was 26 years old, I believe it was, when I went to Joplin. And I... I just felt like I give 10 years the best part of my life right there while I was in my prime. And when I walked out of there, I walked out free. Because I felt like I had done everything God wanted me to do. I had no remorse. I didn't have to look back and say, I'm sorry, God, I didn't do more. I did everything I could do. Didn't have the biggest church in the world, but it was at least self-supporting. I built a new parsonage for the next pastor to live in before I left there. And uh, we just... Uh, I didn't want him to have it as hard as I did. I had a rough. I don't mind telling you I had a rough. But all those things, that didn't face me. We was remodeling the church and building all in Richmond, Indiana. A fellow from over across the street walked in one night in Bermuda shorts and stood in the door and he shook his head. I don't understand you people. said, you don't even know whether you'll be here tomorrow or not. And he was talking about me as a preacher. Well, the secret was he didn't know it. We don't hire and fire. He thought I was just another preacher, you know. Hire him today and fire him tomorrow if you don't like him. I said, we're not working for people. We're working for God. Yeah, all right. Amen. 
If I was working for people, I could have quit a long time ago and felt justified. Amen. I moved a 37 by 81 foot chapel from Neosho, Missouri to Joplin, Missouri, well, outside of Neosho, about 30 miles, and rebuilt the whole thing over a 37 by 60 foot baseball and so on. Did all that, but when I walked out of there 10 years later, I didn't say, now, you owe me so much. Amen. When I left there, I didn't have to tuck my head and say, well, I'm sorry, I've got bills hanging on to me. I didn't have to do that because my name was good, my reputation was good, my credit was good. Amen. In fact, as my banker said, wherever you go, whatever you need, if you need a recommendation, have them to call me. Amen. So are you boasting? No, I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you, when you make up your mind to live for God, you can live for God. Amen. You don't have to worry about backsliding. Amen. I got a feeling somebody's been toying with the idea of leaving the church. If that's, if that's in your mind, honey, let me tell you right now. Get that out of your system. Hey, but you'll die and be lost and go to hell out there in the world. And the world doesn't have anything to offer you. <coughs> the devil's trying to disarm you. Get your Holy Ghost. If I can just keep him out of church. I guess that's one of the biggest tools the devil's got. Keeping people out of church. Did you know it's a sin to stay out of church? When you can be there, it is. So how do you know? The Bible said the smith, he uses the tools in the fire. He, they knew how to handle the tongs. They know where to hit and what not to hit. <laughs> Amen. And so they said, if we can get rid of those guys, no sweat. That's why the devil works on a preacher. Do you pray for your preacher? If you don't pray for your, you ought to be praying for your preacher every day. If you don't say anything, but my God bless our preacher today. Be with him today, Lord. Amen. Every morning when you get up, you'll say, God be with our preacher today. Because the devil, he knows that he can hit the preacher, he'll get the congregation. <coughs> I've seen whole churches turn because the preacher turned. But I think we've been doing this wrong all this time. I think what this is what we need to do. Now, I don't think it's really necessary. We've made it necessary up to this point, but I think I see my mistakes. And he said, well, hey, the flesh likes that. Now, we've been against TV all this time. But I don't know that it's all that bad. After all, it's got a knob on there. If you understand and learn how to turn the knob, you know, and only watch the good stuff. What's that? Then everybody gets a TV. Even those that didn't have one. They go and get one because after all, the pastor says, all right. And my flesh said, that's what I want all the time. Man, I'm glad God spoke to him. You ever hear that old Gordified song? Huh? <laughs> said, come out from under that Gordified preacher. Yeah, you know what? Jonah sat under the Gordified. Said, God sent a worm and eat the Gordified away. Said, talked about the lovely ladies with the long flowing hair. If that old preacher would have stuck to his preaching, that sister's hair would still be long. Hey, 
into the time the devil wants to de-arm us. Yeah. After all, after all, I heard a preacher at a big conference not very long ago. In one of his first remarks, preaching to thousands of young people. He said, well, he said, uh, this fourth generation, he said, I guess they call us the perm age. Dear God, we never, we never would allow a permanent wave. Wasn't allowed to get any. Oh, am I clear off base? Did I lose you? But everywhere you look, it's frizz, 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 frizz. I told them a long time ago. I told them a long time ago. I said, if some of you gals will pray as long as it takes you to do your hair and curl it up like you do, my God only knows what kind of revival we'd have. Hey, I'm talking about being disarmed. People say, oh, give us the good old days. Take us back when 50 got the Holy Ghost. Hey, I don't remember plenty of revivals that God gave us with 40 and 50 getting the Holy Ghost. And those days, it's not the, the, the fact. The reason, one reason why I've always, I've, I've hesitated to get on the bandwagon with end time revival as such. There's some down to earth roots to get into. It's just to talk about roots and grass while we go. Amen. And I'll tell you what, if the church don't stick to some old time standards, there won't be no roots. You'd be like a weed with a straight root that long to Amen. Every wind of doctrine come along. Glory to God. Oh yes, I know. Oh yes. Oh, but it's wonderful. Oh, you did. Oh, I'll tell you what, you just feel the sweetest spirit there. I know they had ear bobs on and short hair and all that kind of stuff. And some of the ladies even had pants and they were just out there just dancing around. Oh, my, my, my. I said, but you could feel God. You know what that's doing? That's weakening the strong man. Hey, watch him. Watch him. He'll tie you up. You better be careful. First thing you know, you won't even be able to wiggle. I would rather be a little dogmatic and feel justifiable right than to have this qualm in my system. Where are we? What are we doing? Is this really what God wants? Now, we've been talking against this all of our life, you know. I hear people talking in tongues, and surely it must be the Holy Ghost. That's the way I got it. But you know, when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I was even, well, I was working on a farm at the time, but I was a golfer. I was a pool shooter. I was a showgoer. I liked to go bowling. I went to the skating rink. I went to the dancing. I played slot machines, pinball machines. I did it all. Smoked cigarettes, drank a little bit of water, smoked a pipe once a day, all day. Yeah. No. Lo and behold, when God reached in and got a hold of my heart and squeezed it, put that heart of flesh in there. Cigarettes went. Little picture show went. That's why I never could say, 
I never could see TV for Christians because God saved the Dollar Movement Picture Show. But y'all don't have to be all that quiet. I know because, well, of course, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you have to be. I don't know that I want to listen to you anymore or not. Just stick with me, will you? I haven't got Israel out of this mess yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, you like me, you're all right. Uh, but I'm saying, this, I, I was just 18 years old. I was just, uh, you know, wild and woolly. Thursday night, don't bother me on Thursday, that was my wrestling match night. Anderson, Indiana, Armory, Thursday night, one, only missed one, and I can't figure out how I ever missed that one in one year's time. Thursday night, that was my night. You'd think I was addicted to a wrestling match or some folks are to a TV. Well, I guess quiet when I'm at the TV. Y'all got TV? <laughs> Surely not doubting nobody here watching TV. If God said, would you go to the show? Don't cost too much. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> but the, the Lord saved me out of that, out of that moving picture show, you know, and so I just didn't go in there. Hey, I liked it. Every week, I was a picture show. Rastle match Thursday night. Gate and rink Friday night. Uh, picture show on Saturday night. Uh, bowling alley in between times. Dance floors and all, all you know. We just, uh, I was in the world. The Bible said that your father's the devil. <laughs> and his works you will do. Everything I did belongs to the devil. I never went to church, never thought about God, never sung hymns, never sung gospel songs. I was just full of the devil. He was my daddy. I did what he wanted me to do. Does the book say that? Whosoever you hear members to his servants you are to obey. Whether I'm the sinner or the righteousness, I was a sinner. I dare say every last one of you were. See, Paul tried to get us out of that mess when he looked over his church one time and he said, Know this. No whoremonger, no adulterer, no idolater, no fornicator. He said, I want you to understand, none of these, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then I just see him back off and he pointed his finger and such were some of you. Well, I like that. We were. We were. And such were some of you. But what happened? You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It got you out of your mess. It changed your direction. It got you off on a downward road to an upward road. Hallelujah. That's where I was. But one Thursday night rolled around the week after I got back that. Here come the old guys. Let's go. I said, uh, I'm going to church. Come go with me. Church. I didn't leave them. They left me. <laughs> they went one way and I went the other. Go to work the next day. Guys will never get over your cigarette. At least if I have one. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, thanks. Couldn't bag one off of them. Stick them in front of you. The tempter. Come on. Have, oh, come on. I, you know. Let me buy you a drink. No way. Offer to pay your way here, there, and somewhere else. That's when you're a sinner. It's such worse on a beast. But not now, because it made a difference when you went down to Jesus' name and God filled you the Holy Ghost. He took that mess out of your life. And if he didn't do it, friend, you better come back here. I don't I don't expect people to say amen to everything I say. And I don't even expect the pastor to say amen anytime because I don't even hardly ever look at him when I preach. I was preaching in the church one night and they said, did you see the pastor? I said, no, I never looked at him. He said he had his head down through his knees. He didn't want to look at his congregation. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hey, we're having a, we're having a time. Do you know that? This is what I'm called having a time. That's what the guy told me one night. He said, come go to church with me. He said, tell me they're having a time over there. I said, time and church. Who ever heard of having a time in church? It's always boring to me. But hey, when I got there, them glories was going up. <laughs> Hallelujah. They was running around the church hey, and man. dancing in the spirit. The yeah. power of God followed. I punched the guy next time. I said, hey, you think they really got something? They're just putting on. Just about three nights all I could take of that, and I had to find out. Hallelujah. After I got like it sing, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Something about this Holy Ghost, I can't explain, but oh, Lord, I got it. You know, the world is hungry for this. And you may think that they don't want to line up the holiness. That's not true. They're sick and tired of what's going on out there. The church world in general have let the world down. A few years ago, and you will probably remember, the Roman Catholic Church was losing members like flies to a garbage wagon. Hey, man. And they said, what are we going to do? I was in Port Arthur, Texas. In a revival meeting, we baptized a young Catholic boy, and his priest got up and he said, you don't have to leave this church. We believe in speaking in tongues. I guess he's talking in Latin. I don't know. But you know what they started doing? They started having guitar music in the church. Who ever heard of guitar music in a Catholic church? What they said was, hey, if this is what you want, that's what you're going to get. They realized there was something pulling their people away from their churches. They said, don't leave the mother church. Go ahead and talk in tongues. Go ahead and believe in miracles and signs. Go ahead and, and, and enjoy your uh, music and so on. But don't leave the church. But you know, it's just impossible for a live chicken to live under a dead hen. And when you get what I'm talking about tonight, you're going to come out of that dead, stale, stagnated church. Amen. The little Salvation Army guy walked into the revival. He was preaching one time up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Big old theater building with a pastor. And I mean, we had a crowd that night, and the power of God was a falling. 
and this camp, uh, this uh, uh, Salvation Army girl walked in up at the front door and was looking in, and one of the ushers saw her, walked out, said, lady, said, you're welcome to come in if you want to. She come in, had a little blue bonnet along, all that kind of stuff. Power began to fall, she put slate under the power of God, and she come walking down, and she wanted to see. I walked back to her, and I said, lady, I said, you can have that. She said, let me ask you a question. Could I still wear my bonnet? If I got that Holy Ghost, I said, I don't care whether you wear a bottle or not. Amen. Before she left her that night, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And as far as I know, never been inside an apostolic church before. When a person is hungry, they're going to get what they want. God said, blessed is he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He shall be filled. Amen. All we got to do is create a hunger in somebody's heart. Somebody to testify tonight. Oh, if I could just testify and tell them what God did for me. If you're just a saint in the church, that's the thing to do. Don't indoctrinate them. Don't try to explain the Godhead. You know, just tell them. That's what the Apostle Paul did. In most cases, he referred to his heavenly vision. Oh, they said, man, you're mad. You must learn made you mad. Oh, I'm not mad, most noble pastors. You don't know what I know. You haven't been where I've been. Hallelujah. Amen. I was the persecutor of the church. Amen. I was this and I was that. Oh, I love the mercy. <coughs> what happened? The Bible said that they took the Smiths out of Israel. Consequently, with the skilled men out of Israel, at random the Philistines could come in. After all, there was no swords. The Bible said that Saul took 600 men went out to a certain place. He said there was not a sword in Israel except the sword of Saul and Jonathan. That's all they had. Two swords and 600 men. How do you like that? My, 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 my. What a thin, even minority. Jonathan's getting kind of fidgety. You know, there are some people you just can't hold down. They can sit around and suck their thumbs so long, but they get tired of that. They're not getting nothing out of it, you know. But man, he turns his armor and says, Come go me. Let's go take a look at the garrison of the Philistines. What's going on over there? After all, God can deliver by many or by few. It don't matter to God, you know. It to the crowd of God. He said, I am as you are. Whatever's in your heart, do it. Oh, that's good. That's so good for people to feel that way about the pastor. Come on, church, let's rise up and build. We need to build. When you're 80% full, you need to build a new building. One good revival. Turn you all upside down. Amen. Come on, let's go. Okay, we're behind. Let's go. What are you behind with? You're saying, okay? No, no, it's going to take some green back, work, prayers. Amen. Whatever he said, do this good. So, the dance kind of casually went walking off. Nobody paid attention to that crawl. But this is over here, some over here, some over here. Well, Saul, he laying down on our pomegranate tree. Had a sword, but didn't matter to him. After all, we only got two. Me and John's the only one got a sword. Saul was king. He ought to have been one up saying, hey, let's go get him. His faith, the Bible said, all the days of Saul, he never inquired of the ark. 
saw the big fellow. Stood from the shoulders up above everybody in Israel. Evidently, he thought he could do it with his own might and his own power. But the Philistines told him different. So he's bogged down. Jonathan and his armor bearer went slipping off out of camp. Nobody even knew the difference. Half of them was asleep. They had some guards up on strategic locations watching the Philistines in case they were to invade them. And down over there, they had to climb up through a hole. Two sharp rocks, one on each side. Barely squeezed his way through. Jonathan said, Hey, Armor Barracks, I'll tell you what we'll do. <laughs> and he said, We'll just squeeze up through that hole. That's where they'll see us. And if they say to us, he'd been, he'd been no doubt down in the camp with everybody else and messing around, sleeping and just leisurely uh, around. Well, Jonathan, he probably talked to God a little bit. Because after all, when he goes on there, he said, God, he don't need a whole bunch. By many or by few, he can give us the picture. That's the kind of faith he has. Huh? Hallelujah. And so he says, I'll go up first. He says, we'll expose ourselves and we'll let them know we're here. And if they say to us, come on over, he said, that'll be a sign that God's going to give us the garrison into our hands. But if they say stay, we'll just stay right here because we know that, uh, well, everything's going to be all right anyhow. But, okay. The armor bearer says, I'm with you. Whatever you do, I'll do. I don't, I don't have a sword, but I've got your rod here. I'll just, I'll carry it along. So, up through the hole they go. Jonathan goes up first, pulls himself up, climbs up on his hands and feet to get up there. Armor bearer comes up after him. Oh, one of the garrison, he raised up. Huh? Hey, look. The, fellow, the, the Israelites, they're coming out of their holes and their dens where they've been hiding. <laughs> Come on up! We will show you a thing. Did you ever threaten somebody by saying, you, that, you do that again, I'll show you a thing or two. Yeah, you know that old saying, don't you? In other words, Punch you in the nose. I'll let you know how the cow eats the cabbage. So that didn't discourage Jonathan at all, because he had victory on the inside. He already knew what God had said. By many or a few, it don't matter to me. I'll take them on. You go on, Jonathan. Obey what God tells you to do. Oh, Jonathan, turn his arm and listen. Let's go. They're telling us to come. I told you that'd be a sign that God's already given them in our hand. Let's go. So they went walking out there. And they rather said that Jonathan, he was in the lead, and the armor bearer was right behind him. And it was evident that he had his, the rod in his hand because the Bible said David slew him first. And then the armor bearer. I guess David knocked him down, the armor bearer hit him in the head. He didn't have no sword. He had to be using a stick of some kind, and evidently it was, it was, David, it was Jonathan's rod. Oh, David, he's wow, uh, Jonathan. They fall backwards and pow. That's number one, you know. Here they come. Pow. Number two. Pow. Number three. And the Bible said, and they slew 20 men, as it were, in about a half an acre that an ox could plow. You see, why was God so specific? I don't know, but I like it. I know how slow an ox could plow. 
half acre. I know about how big a half acre is. About a 200 by 200. You know, close by. Not a very big place. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they felt the leaves to us now. They didn't know what was happening. God sent an earthquake. And these Philistines, they got scared. They didn't know what was going on and turned every man on his own fella. And brother, they rolled heads. And the earth began to shake and Saul got out from under his pomegranate tree. You know, it tickles me the way some folks are. Especially when folks around the altar praying for the Holy Ghost, you know. We've always got the kind of, they just look on, you know. Probably not this church, but most all churches I go to, they have some folks just look on. I wouldn't accuse anybody, but they just have around. Well, that's not my calling to get around at all. Oh, really? Okay. Go ahead and be a fruit inspector. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's see. Saul says, round second. What's going on? And they heard the Philistines over there just screaming at the top of their voice. He says to one of the men, he said, take a roll call and see who's not here. Must be somebody missing. Something stirred that bunch up. <laughs> they got the leg of check it out. Ball four, all they come back and said, Jonathan and his armor bearers the only one not accounted for. Oh, that Jonathan, I'm telling you, disturbed my rest. Here I am, laying back here all content under a pomegranate tree. Well, he got up. Okay. Well, let's go up and see what's happening. That's it, brother. Party of Pino. <laughs> that's it, brother, that's it. Somebody stand back and watch this. God love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, didn't we have a service last night? I'm a telling you. We prayed six through the Holy Ghost. Oh, you did? Well, yeah, sure, man, I'll tell you. But power there, you couldn't stay away from the altar after it got started, didn't you? But here they go. Brother, I mean, heads are rolling. Philistines, they, they are just killing one another like flies. Just pow, 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 pow. And here comes that 600 that Saul has with him. And they come running up there. You don't see what's going on. And when they saw these dead folk laying all over the place, they said, let's go get them, boys. Now, the bunch of those Hebrews that the Philistines had taken out, the skilled men, who were hiding in the holes also with, with them. When they saw what was going on, they said, hey, let's go home, brother. Here they come back over to the to the Israelites, you know. They want to get back over there real quick. We're on the losing side over here. We better get over there where we can be identified. The preacher, why are you saying all this? Well, basically because these men were disarmed. 
And if God had not fought for them, they would have been in bad shape. And if it hadn't been for somebody's faith to say, God, it doesn't matter to him. He can do it whether by many or by few. Amen. Let's just put God to the test and see what God will do. Amen. And I, that's what I feel about it tonight. Hey, don't, there's no use to fear or quiver or shake because of being afraid whether God can do it or not. One of the worst times God ever got mad was when folks tried to tan him. Tan God, they said. Tan God. Can God what? Can God provide a table in this wilderness? Oh, God got so mad the very thought of people saying, Can God? I led them through the Red Sea. I gave them waters to drink. I fed them with manna. I've done everything. And now they'll say, Can God? You got saints sitting around the church? Amen. Well, I don't know. It's not like it used to be. I'm not for sure whether God can do it anymore or not. I have seen him do it, but you know, it's been so long a time. You know what? All we need to do is forget all of our ills and all of our doubts. Amen. And say, hey, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. God said, all things are possible to them that believe. When you stand praying, believe that you shall receive and you shall have what you ask for. Amen. Asking you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. He that asks and receive it, he that seeketh find. He that knocketh to him it shall be open. It is possible. If thou believest, thou shalt see the glory of God. I don't know what your deeds might be. I observed the congregation tonight, and I recognize that if there's over one sinner here, that there's, that's probably the limit. That is, real genuine sinners. We may have a few extras tagging along, but like the mixed multitude that came out of the wilderness. But uh, basically, you all baptized to fill the Holy Ghost, and if you haven't, you all be. And there's no use being lost. Hey, neighbor, there's no use being lost. Not with a gospel like we got. Not with a God like we serve. Amen. There's no reason for anybody to be lost because he said it was not his will that anybody perished, but that all men would come to repentance. First of all, I've tried to encourage the church to stay armed. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It does not matter who says what. If it's not according to this book, forget it. Amen. There's something to tell you you have the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues. That, that is contrary to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Contrary. I don't believe it. The book says so. That's it. I can prove to you by many, many, many infallible proof. Everybody that received the Holy Ghost spake with tongues yes. and magnified the Lord. Amen. Amen. When the Holy Ghost comes in, tongues comes along with it. Amen. Well, I just don't believe God heals anymore. All this, hey, forget that. <laughs> Amen. There are modern day healings, miracles of healing. Amen. God's still healing cancer. A young lady in the Richmond Church stood up a few nights ago. She said, I've been on medication for 12 years for high blood pressure. And said, God spoke to me one morning and said, why are you taking those? I have healed you. She was not prayed for. She was sitting in the church the night she felt the touch of God. 
come on her. You know, a lot of times we only think God can do things under certain circumstances. Okay, you can have the Holy Ghost if you come here. You can be healed if I anoint you. You can do this, you can do that. We, we have somehow or other planted this in the minds of people. It's got to be done like this or it can't be done. But I'm here to tell you tonight that where the presence of God is, anything can happen. Amen. Amen. He stood and testified. Twelve years I've been on medication. God spoke to me and said, why are you taking that? I have healed you. She said, I didn't pay any attention. I thought that is, that's Ruth Jones. I'm thinking that in my mind. The next morning, God spoke to her again. And she just did away with all of her medication. She stood and testified the other night in church. It had been, uh, I don't know, three months, I think she said, since she had had a pill. This happened during a service. When the presence of God was going out. Amen. A few years back when I was pastor of the church, my wife and I, we prayed for a woman who she was 27 years old. She had scoliosis of the spine. She wore a built-up shoe of about two or three inches. Her shoulders were bent. Her back was crooked. And her shoulders were square. And she had a hump about the size of half of the size of a football on her shoulders. She came to the church. To kind of shorten the story, I baptized her in Jesus' name, God filled <coughs> her with the Holy Ghost. One night, shortly after this, we did anoint her, and we did pray for her. But she had come to us right away after we baptized her. She said, I cannot do my housework. I cannot be a wife to my husband like I should, or a mother to my children. I have not known what it is to be without pain from the time I was three years old. She was 27 years old. Never had a day without pain in 24 years. And she said, I want you to pray for me. We anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord. I said, God, whatever's caused this pain, smite it in Jesus' name. Nothing visibly happened. Friday night she came back. She said, I felt so much better this week. Oh, she said, I've done things I haven't done in years. She said, I want you to pray for me again. Amen. So we re-anointed her. I said, that was doubt. No, no doubt to it. When Jesus healed the man with the blind eyes, spit on him, put his hands on him, looked up, what do you see? I see men with trees walking. Something was wrong with my sight. Men don't look like trees walking. So the Bible said he laid his hands on him again. This time he saw all things clearly as he ought. So I said, well, you know, this is not being repetition. It didn't happen, so let's do it again. Prayed for the second time. Well, it was, I think, the following Sunday night, irregardless of what night it was, the power began to fall in the song service. My contention has always been, when the power falls, reach out. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You just don't know when it's coming by you, you know. Just, here I am, Lord, you know. And this girl was sitting over on the right-hand side in the seat. And a young man come running to the altar. He failed God. The power of the Lord had convicted him. Well, he didn't run to the altar. He come right straight to me on the platform. He said, but I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something. I looked at him, and I looked at that crowd, and I saw smoke, not visibly, but I knew that the 
He failed God. The power of the Lord had convicted him. Well, he didn't run. The only come out straight to me on the platform. He said, but if I need to talk to you, I need to tell you something. I looked at him, and I looked at that crowd, and I saw smoke, not visibly. But I knew that the fuse was lit. And it was sizzling. I thought, God, I don't want to leave here now. This thing's about to blow the cap off. You know, if it's going to happen, I want to be there, don't you? And you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be in church every night. You'll miss something if you don't come. And so I had a side door right off the other platform. I said, go outside that door. I'll be there. I rushed out there. And he told me, I said, tell me what you want to tell me and make it snappy. He told me what he had done. I said, go in there and hit the altar. I said, if God will forgive you, I will. <coughs> when I came out, I'm the one gone for 30 seconds, I don't think. When I came out, I saw Pat Floyd standing with her shoulders back against the back door, up to the back wall. And she looked at me and hit the And I'm standing here watching. I mean, you talk about a home run hitter. She's had made three bases already with heading for home. She come down that aisle, and when she got just about there, she had both hands and her eyes flashed. I didn't know what she was going to do to me. I didn't know why. I just stood there bracing myself. She slammed on the brakes. She wheeled around and said, Brother Baxter, feel my back. My hump is gone. I looked. I said, I see. Oh, but she said, feel of it. Well, jokingly, I said, I don't go around feeling ladies' backs, but you <laughs> But I said, I believe I could have that night. The Bible said, those are pure, all things are pure. And I don't think anybody would have thought one thing about it if I would have run. But I can see it. Later on, she explained what happened. She was sitting in the seat, and she felt both, where well, the power was falling, she was sitting there, and she felt both her shoulders go back against the field. Otherwise, that big old hump, you know, kept her away And uh, to prove to herself, I mean, she couldn't see the back, her back, so she just run to the back wall and put both feet against the base and ran her shoulders backwards and saw both shoulders hit the wall. Well, you said, what? Why did she get so excited? Well, 24 years of hell. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, well, this woman whom Satan hath bound lo these eighteen years. Ought not she be loose from her infirmity? <laughs> That's what happened to her for twenty four years. The devil had her bound and all of a sudden she straightened up. She didn't have to wear the build up shoes. Her shoulders squared up. The next morning after that she went down to the courtesy booth in the Phillips drug store to pay their utility bills. She'd seen this woman many times. When she walked in, that woman that was going to take her money. She looked at her and said, Pat Floyd, you've had an operation. <laughs> she said, yes, I have. She said, Jesus Christ healed me and took that hump off of my back. While she was testifying, several of the ladies walked up, four, five or six of them walked up to pay their bill. Amen. She said when she turned and saw tears were streaming down their faces. Amen. She was, hey, you know, this is something to get excited about. You say, oh, it could never happen to me. Why not? This woman, the she told us, she said, I have been in and out of the hospital so many times that 
There's nothing making him difficult for me. Amen. But in one snap of your finger, Almighty God, that <laughs> cut that thing off as slick as a whistle. Amen. Well, her unbelieving husband, he was a drunkard, never would come to church. Close as he ever got with the vestibule one night, and he'd drink a man. He brought her. Dumped her out and let her go. She went home, slipped her clothes off, walked in, said, Robert, look what God did for me tonight. And he looked at her back and he said, Slide of hand. I said, By God, if I had hands like that, I'd be using them all over the place, you know. I'd walk down to the hospital, hocus pocus, you know. One year later, I buried him. My wife and I was making contact on Saturday morning, and I was driving down North East Street. She said, Stop! I looked both ways. I thought I was about to run over somebody, and nobody there. She said, Right here. Scared me to I almost had a heart attack. Anyway, she walks up, knocks on the door. Robert came to the door. He said, Robert, there's just a fellow I'm looking for. He walked in the door. He backed up. He said, I'm not ready to join that church. I don't want to come to that church. I'm not coming down there. <laughs> and he kept backing up. And she kept her fingers going like this. And they say she's got a wicked looking finger when she gets it going like this. She backed him in the corner where he couldn't move. She said, I'm not asking you to join our church. You can't join our church. I just want you to promise you're going to come. One year later, or two weeks, well, two weeks later after that, early one morning, I got a phone call. Do you know a Robert Cloyd? Yes. What about it? This is Sergeant so-and-so on the Indiana State Police. That's the sheriff's office. I've had a fatality. I said, how many? He said, one. I was afraid his wife was with him. He'd been out looking for liquor. Fact is, he asked her to go along. He said, no, Robert, I'm not going with you. I'm just going over here to get some cigarettes. No, I, I'm not going to go. He stayed at his sister's house while he went. The next time she heard from him was 7 o'clock the next morning when I walked down. He went to their house. I told her, your husband's dead. I went to Cambridge City, Indiana, to identify the body. Man looks different laying on a cold slab with a white seat over him. Did you know that? And when he had done when he got grease on his fingers out there working on the automobile. Sheriff says, Is that him? <laughs> sure looks like him, but man, I really hadn't seen him like that before, you know. Laying on a cold marble slab with a white seat up here. Until we had to cut him out of the car. Preached his funeral, his sister laid down on the seat right out in front of him, stuck both fingers in her ears. Brother Stephen, the Bible said they stopped their ears. Didn't want to hear what he had to say. You know, it's just too bad that people don't want to be saved. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because after all, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the beautiful part about it is everybody can be saved if they want to be saved. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you don't have to walk out of here lost. I'm here to tell you tonight, you can make one trip to this altar. God have mercy on me, a sinner, and mean it from your heart. 
Now, how long do I have to stay there? How long does it take you to say it? Repentance is repentance. There's no way for you to go back over your life and say, my God, you remember 1947, I did this, and 50, I did so-and-so, and somewhere else I did this. Oh, God, I'm sorry for all those things. Hey, just tell him, God, I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. I want to be saved. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I've got Bible proof that he'll have mercy. You're going to rise and walk through the water and be baptized in Jesus' name and every sin you ever committed is gone. And what you do from this night forward is the things that will go against you or for you. You don't have to be lost. Amen. Amen. I talked to the church about being disarmed and so on and so forth, but I'm talking to you now. If you don't know God, if you're here without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. Because that is the Spirit of Christ in you. Amen. And that's what's going to get you out of here when he comes out to his church. And you can't go without it. Amen. Without the Spirit of Christ because you're not his. Oh, God, help us tonight. I hope I've said something tonight to help somebody. I really do. Because, after all, that's what it's all about. Amen. Reprove, forgive, and exhort all long suffering and doctrine I've tried to do that tonight I, I hope that whatever your particular need is that you would take advantage of this situation you may have things existing in your life right now you may need to come here tonight as a saint of God God I'm going to clean up my own backyard you'll let me get home Keep being safe and health. I'm going to clean up. I've got some things I need to do. But God, by your help and by your grace, I'm going to get a job done. As of now, God, I'm going to do it. I promise you, God, I'm going to do it. Don't justify yourself in sin. Because no flesh shall be justified in God's sight. Don't let the devil make you believe you're all right when you know down here there is a fluttering sensation a condemnation that tells you hey hey boy you're wrong something's wrong with you down there if your heart condemns you the Bible says God's greater than your heart and you better, you better thank God for it condemnation is a wonderful thing it's like the dipstick in, a, uh, in an oil pan you know you reach in and get it out hey I'm low on oil when condemnation comes the Bible says just because light has come God says light and condemnation comes with it. There's only one thing to do. Amen. That's to undo or do whatever has to be done. Amen. Uh, let's just talk to the Lord a minute. How about it? Lord, I want to thank you for being merciful to us tonight. Thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for everything that's been done.